We give God all the praise and all the glory for giving us another day. We thank him for his truth. We praise him in the beauty of holiness. And we are getting back on the same topic of Jesus not dying for your sins. Jesus did not hang on a cross for your sins. He didn't even hang on a cross. There's not one scripture you can pull from the Torah that is going to agree with you. As a matter of fact, I want to go to Exodus chapter 23 verse 7. That way we know that God is not into justifying the wicked. This is the book of Exodus chapter 23 verse 7. Keep thee far from a false matter and the innocent and righteous play thou not for I will not justify the wicked. Alright so let's look at that word justify. I'm going to put the definition to justify on the screen because that is the apostle Paul's language. He is always screaming justification. To justify. The word justify, and this is from an 1828 dictionary, and we know that the year, date, and all that has something to do with the actual definition of a word. But this one right here, it hasn't much changed. It means to prove or show to be just. Another way of saying is to make one righteous, to make right. But it literally means to prove or show to be just or conformable to law, right, justice. So the word justify means to accept, okay, to make someone right, okay. You go to court. And you've been justified means you've been made right. You've been declared innocent, okay? Not guilty. You won the case. That's what it means to be justified. So now when we go back to Exodus chapter 23, verse 7, let's read that again. Keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and righteous lay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. So God is saying, Keep far from a false matter. God doesn't want us to be a part of anything that's not true. That's why in this house, we are looking for any scripture in the first five books of Moses where it says that Jesus is going to die for your sins. You don't even have to tell me, Jesus. Just give me a scripture where it says Christ, the Messiah, is going to die for your sins. Now we know that Christ is a Greek word. But the word Messiah is a Hebrew word. So find me a scripture where it says that the Messiah is going to die for your sins and my sins. So God wants us to keep far from a false matter. And the innocent and the righteous Slay thou not. 
So God doesn't want us to kill someone who is innocent. And we know that Jesus, peace be upon him, is considered innocent. He's considered righteous. So he's telling us to stay away from something that's false and not to kill someone who is innocent to justify the wicked. Now, I want to look at some scriptures on justification. Let's see who talks about justification more than all the other disciples. The Apostle Paul is the only one to use the word justification in the entire Bible. This is Romans 4.25. This is Romans 5.16. This is Romans 5.18. He's the only one to use the term justification. And he teaches that we are justified through Jesus' death. So by the killing of the innocent one, or the righteous one, we are all made righteous. Now I'm going to look up justified. Jesus uses justified in Matthew eleven nineteen. You don't have to write down all these scriptures. I'm just giving you some. Matthew 12, 37, he uses the word justified. In Luke he uses the word justified. That's Luke 7.35. In Luke 18.14, he uses the word justified. But watch this. Paul uses justified in Romans 2.13, in Romans 3.4, in Romans 3.20, in Romans 3.24, in Romans 3.28, in Romans 4.2, Romans 5.1, Romans 5.9, Romans 8.30. 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, 1 Corinthians 6.11, Galatians 2.16, Galatians 2.17, Galatians 3.11, Galatians 3.24, Galatians 5.4, 1 Timothy 3.16, Titus 3.7. This man has used the word justified more than anybody in the Bible. So now we got to get back to where we was at. God is telling us that he doesn't want us to kill the righteous to save the wicked. Okay? And that's what Christianity is. And that teaching came from Paul. Paul teaches that we are justified through Jesus' death. Let me get a scripture. I'm going to read one. I'm going to read one. This is Romans 5, 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Let me tell you something. The Apostle Paul is like Vlad Dracula. He's a bloody man. Christianity is a bloody religion. It is all about suffering and someone hanging on a cross and dying and suffering and all the Christians being either beheaded or hung on a cross. 
It is a very bloody religion. Notice, Islam is not like that. It's a clean religion. It's not about blood, okay? Except if you go on a war, okay? That makes sense to bleed if you go on a war. But this is witchcraft. Christianity is witchcraft. Notice I showed you the parallel. The first time witchcraft is used is by the Saul of the Old Testament. The last time witchcraft is used is by the Saul of the New Testament. King Saul was killing witches and then he got converted and then he started believing in witches. The apostle or apostate Paul went from killing Christians to eventually being a Christian. One of the best Christians, okay? Okay, he is heroed as the best Christian. Now, I want to continue where I was at in Exodus chapter 23, verse 7. Now you know this bloody religion. Think about it. Don't they drink uh, wine or juice in reference to Jesus' blood? Don't they do that, y'all? Yes. They do that. It's okay. Okay, we are tipping over a huge idol. They are into the blood, Dracula, Dracula, blood, blood, blood. It is a bloody religion. Christianity is very bloody. And I told y'all about the story that is in Samuel. When David was dying of thirst, he was in a cave like your boy. He was in the cave, okay, like the prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. And he was very thirsty. So three of his men, okay, they broke through the breach, okay, and they brought him water. And he refused to drink it because he said drinking this water would be like drinking the blood of these three men. And he poured it out. You see, he was a type and shadow of the Gentile messenger and of a clean religion. Unlike Christianity, who wants to eat Jesus' body and they want to drink his blood. Oh my God. Let's get back to Exodus chapter 23, verse 7. Let's read that again. There's so much into that. This is the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 7. Keep thee far from a false matter. And the innocent and righteous lay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. God said he is not going to justify the wicked, but the Apostle Paul's ministry is all about justifying, making right the wicked. Okay? That's what his ministry is all about, justifying the wicked. I want to get another scripture that's going to precept with what I'm saying. This is going to be Deuteronomy 25.1. And most of the time when people do this, it's for reward. Let's get that. This is the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 1. If there be a controversy between men and they come into judgment, 
that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. God is all about justifying the righteous. If you got good works, if you have been keeping his, if you have good works, if you have been adhering to his law, then you are right. Okay? Somebody that's wicked, that's living wicked, he's not going to take someone who is innocent and kill that innocent person to save that wicked man. That's not how God's law work. That's why I'm doing this video and it is going a little bit viral. It is getting a lot of responses, okay? And a lot of people, they just see Jesus did not die for your sins. And instead of listening to it, they just want to start commenting, okay? They want to just start commenting. But right here, we are proving that what the Apostle Paul is teaching is against God's law. God is never, ever about killing the innocent to let the wicked go free. All right. I want Proverbs 17, 15 real quick. It's on the screen for time's sake. This is the book of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. All right. So it is an abomination to make righteous, to justify somebody that's wicked. And it's an abomination to condemn someone who is innocent. Both of them are an abomination to the Lord. Now, I want to read this Christian quote. It took me a long time to find some Christian quotes. And this is what this quote says. None can return to God by his or her own good works alone. We all need the benefit of the Savior's sacrifice. All have sinned, and it is only through the atonement of Jesus Christ that we can obtain mercy and live with God. That is a bunch of BS. So basically, I have to ride on another man's coattail to get me into heaven. Because I'm not capable of being obedient to God. I have to use somebody else's obedience to get close to God. That right there don't make no sense at all. But that is Christianity. That is exactly what they believe. Now, I want to take you to 1 Samuel 15, 22, and we are going to compare what this Christian man said versus what the Bible says. Now, keep in mind, the book of Samuel is speaking of Samuel the prophet, and the Bible says not one of his words touched the ground. And I'm going to read that real quick just so we get a respect for Samuel that we should have peace be upon him this is going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and it's going to be verse 19 and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words 
fall to the ground. Verse 20, and all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. You will never hear this about nobody else. Okay, the Bible says not one of his words touched the ground. Now, the prophet Samuel was a type and shadow of the Gentile messenger, Mohammed. Peace and blessings be upon him. Every time the prophet Mohammed spoke, it was a revelation from God. Now, that right there is something we can't fully grasp. But it is saying that when he spoke, it was just as if God spoke. Everything he said, okay, was a revelation from God. And that's why the series began in the name of God, in the name of Allah, the compassionate and merciful. That's exactly what it was and what it meant because it was direct contact with the Most High. Think about it. He was the prophet like unto Moses. Moses was that servant of the Lord that God spoke face to face with, mouth to mouth with. Okay. And I hope you understand that this messenger, peace and blessings be upon him. Every word he spoke was a direct revelation from God. He is the comforter Jesus spoke of. Let's keep going. So let's keep that in mind. When we go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, and read that. This is the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And Samuel said, That the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Okay, so Samuel, he is saying it is better to obey God than to offer a sacrifice. Now, this is the truest prophet of his time, okay? The Bible says not one of his words touched the ground, okay? And to me, Samuel is a type and shadow of Mohammed. That's why I call Samuel the mule, and I call him the donkey. And if you look at his name, you can spell donkey and mule in it. Not only that, Samuel means God will hear, which is the same meaning for the name Ishmael. A lot of people do not realize that, but it means God will hear. So when we look at this scripture, we see that it's all about obedience. So we're going to find another scripture in the Bible that can go along with that. This is going to be Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 21. Through 23. This is the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, verse 21. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices, and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice. That's what I want right there. Okay? Now we're going to read that in another translation to help you all out. Okay, because right there, that hits the nail on the head. Okay, it drives it home. I'm going to read from the contemporary English version. It reads, 
I am the Lord all-powerful, the God of Israel, but I won't accept sacrifices from you. So don't even bother bringing them to me. You might as well just cook the meat for yourselves. Okay, that's what that meant in verse 21 in the King James. You might as well just eat the food. Verse 22. At the time I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, I didn't command them to offer sacrifices to me. Instead, I told them, if you listen to me and do what I tell you, I will be your God, you will be my people, and all will go well for you. So right there, from God's very own mouth, we see that God is all about obedience and not sacrifices. He didn't command our fathers when they came out of Egypt. To make sacrifices. He wanted the obedience. Because remember. The sacrifice is only made. When you're not being obedient. So why would God take delight in sacrifices? Okay. Christianity makes God all about sacrifices. Okay. That's how we know that the wolf in sheep clothing. And yes, I'm exposing him every chance I can get. That's all coming from the apostate Paul. He teaches that garbage, that God wants to justify the wicked. Like nobody on earth can obey God. Enoch obeyed God and walked with them. And he was translated. Elijah obeyed God. Many people obeyed God. Daniel obeyed God. There were many righteous men. Abraham obeyed God. There were many prophets that obeyed God. Why are you trying to make an excuse for all the wicked? Why don't you just let them burn in hell? Why don't you just let them burn? God doesn't want your sacrifice. God wants your obedience. And I want you to read that again in the King James. Starting off at verse 21. Verse 21. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices, and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commended them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commended I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commended you. That's what he wanted! God wanted obedience. This is why he sent prophets. Now read that next verse. That it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not. They didn't listen. Nor inclined their ear. They didn't listen. But walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. Walking in the counsel of their own heart. Okay. Listening to their own teachings. Going by what the Pharisees was teaching. Now, how many of y'all know that the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee? I'm going to show you a scripture proving that the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. This is going to be Philippians 3.5. It's on the screen. This is the book of Philippians chapter 3 verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. They had a lot of strange 
teachings, okay? And Jesus came against the Pharisees all the time because they held the traditions of their fathers, okay? They had a lot of strange teachings, such as washing hands, okay? All type of different things that was added, okay? So Jesus, out of all people who he got on the most, it was the Pharisees. I'm going to give you another scripture proving that Paul was a Pharisee. This is going to be Acts chapter 26, verse 5. This is the book of Acts chapter 26, verse 5, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. He came from a sect. He came from a cult. Okay. He lived as a Pharisee, okay? He got a lot of those strange doctrines, okay? Coming from Gamiel. And I'm going to show you another scripture proving that this man was a Pharisee. This is going to be Acts 23, verse 6. This is the book of Acts, chapter 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees, and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Man and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, but of hope and resurrection of the dead I am called in question. All right, so he was a part of a sect. He was a Pharisee. And they believed in the resurrection of the dead. Okay? So his dad was a Pharisee. Okay, they all believe in this cultish practice, okay? And that is the resurrection of the dead, okay? And they had twisted teachings on it. That's why Jesus always clashed with the Pharisees, okay? They had questions about if seven brothers married the same woman whose wife she would be in the resurrection. So they had a lot of strange perceptions on the resurrection. The Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. But the Pharisees did. And Paul, Mr. P. Paul, was a Pharisee. And I'm going to show you another scripture, how he was brought up at the feet of Gamiel. Let's get that. Acts 22 Verse 3. This is the book of Acts, chapter 22, verse 3. I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. Okay, so he was brought up by your boy, Gamaliel, okay? He had these doctrines, okay? He had these teachings. That's why Paul is so out there. Okay, now I'm going to show you another belief that they had. This is going to be in the book of John, chapter 18, and it's going to be verse 14. And it reads, now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Look at these teachings they had, okay? Going back to my original scripture where I was at, okay? This is going to be Exodus 23, 7. Now y'all see, Christianity is witchcraft. It is nothing more than witchcraft. And think about it. 
When Saul was talking to the witch, what was she doing? Bringing up the dead. And what is Paul doing right now in Christianity? Bringing up the dead. It's all about communicating with the dead. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Okay? And witches speak to the dead. And Christianity is all about speaking to the dead. Let's get that. This is the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 7. Keep thee far from a false matter. From a false matter. Keep going. And the innocent and righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. God is not going to let the wicked get away. That's why there's a great judgment. That's why there is a judgment for what you do. And what's so messed up about these damn Christians is they have scriptures that talk about God is going to reward you and he's going to judge you for what you do. But they say Jesus died for their sins. But every man is going to be judged for their deeds. Okay, they are so confused. Okay, why? Because it's witchcraft. Y'all getting something tonight, ain't y'all? Y'all yes. getting something, okay? So I'm going to read Hosea 6, 6. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. God is all about obedience. God is all about obedience. And Jesus said this to the Pharisees. Mark 12, 33. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself. Okay. If we are to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all our soul, and with all our understanding. And if we would love our neighbors as we love ourselves, guess what? This is better than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. And this is what Jesus said. Okay, he said doing all the above. Okay, loving God and loving your neighbor is better than than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. That is red letter. That's coming from Jesus. Now, we got to our time. We got to our time, but we are still on this subject, okay? You're going to find out that Christianity is nothing more than witchcraft. It is a bloody religion. They are confused. They don't know what the Holy Ghost is. They don't have a clue into what is modest. They don't have a clue into alcohol. They are a lost cause because it's all witchcraft. It's all witchcraft. The King Saul of the Old Testament is a parallel of the King Saul of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. I just don't get it how people, after reading this, all these verses where it says God prefers obedience better than sacrifice, how they still think that. He will put Jesus on the cross. What you said is true. What you said is true. And that's the money. That is the whole money of the new covenant is obedience. It's not sacrifice. God can care less about all those sacrifices. I gave you all Jeremiah chapter seven. He literally said, hey, when I brought them out of Egypt, I didn't ask them to give me no sacrifices. I just wanted them to obey me. And think about it. King Saul, he was in the battle. And he was supposed to wait for Samuel. 
And Samuel didn't come, so what did he do? He, he offered a sacrifice. And he got ridiculed. He was judged. And then God told him to go and kill all the Amalekites. Okay? All the Edomites. And he saved some of them. And he saved the animals and offered a sacrifice. And God has to tell him, what are you doing? Oh, I was obeying God. I was bringing a sacrifice. And as just like the Christian, I'm obeying God. I believe in Jesus dying for my sins. Okay? I don't have to do anything good because Jesus died for me. Okay? That is the lies in the New Testament. Now it's time for us to explore truth. Is y'all ready to get down or not? Yes. yes. All right.